Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 107, Not Perfect, Just Dumb. Today's proverb comes from James Garfield. I'll read it twice. The truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Once more. The truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. Not Every truth will set you free. And not every truth will make you miserable. The sort of truth that makes you miserable and then sets you free is a very particular kind of truth, though. And by this I mean George Washington was the first president of the U.S. is true. It's not going to set you free, though. And neither is it going to make you miserable. Truths that set you free generally make you miserable first, though. Similarly, your dog died today is a truth that might make you miserable, but it's not going to set you free. Any truth that sets you free must necessarily reveal to you that you're a slave first, or that you're imprisoned. I think it's miserable 
to have your own prison or your own slavery, your own servitude revealed to you by someone else. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when others see the prison you're in. Perhaps you can see it too, but you didn't know that others could see it. You didn't know that other people can tell what a slave you are. Or perhaps you couldn't see it and someone else could. And there's a feeling of misery or helplessness knowing that other people understand your life better than you do. If the truth sets you free, you must have encountered the truth in your condition of imprisonment or slavery, both of which are miserable conditions. And so sometimes it's not that the truth makes you miserable, it just reveals your misery to you. What kind of truth makes you miserable? and then sets you free. When I think of the sort of truth that makes you miserable first and then sets you free, it's a truth that's really a personal, subjective judgment made against you. Sometimes it's a personal, subjective judgment made against you by someone you know. Bad news about who you are. Or it's bad news about your condition. So what kind of truth makes you miserable then sets you free? She doesn't love you. She never loved you. Or you never loved her enough. It might be something like, you need to try harder to find a husband or a wife. It might be, you're not a good mother. You're a lousy husband. Those are the kind of truths that make you miserable and then set you free. You're incompetent at your job. Or it might be something just as basic as you need to lose weight. That's a truth that makes you angry. It makes you frustrated. And then it sets you free. If you believe it, if you really understand it. There's all kinds of responses that we give to keep ourselves from having to be miserable. There's all kinds of excuses we give for not wanting to be free. Much imprisonment is self-imposed. Someone comes to us and says, you need to lose weight. And we say, who made you the boss of me? Who gave you the right to tell me that? 
I always say, you need to lose weight too. Everyone needs to lose some weight. Why are you picking on me? What business is it yours? This isn't necessarily information that someone else is going to give you, though. There are certain judgments that you have to make against yourself. No one is going to have the courage to tell you, you're a bad mother. No one's going to tell you that. Your friends are not going to tell you, you're a bad mother. There's a decent chance that not even your enemies are going to come out and say, you're a lousy mother. You have to figure it out on your own. You have to figure out that you're a bad husband all on your own. There's a lot of bad mothers out there. And you might be one of them. There's a lot of bad husbands out there. And you might be one of them. And you know this is true. You have recognized how many bad mothers there are out there. You have noted them. You have seen them in stores. Who hasn't encountered a bad mother? Who hasn't encountered a lousy husband? You wonder if they know. Right? When you see a bad mother in public, you wonder if they see it the way that you see it and if they just don't care. You may even have fantasies about walking up to a stranger and just telling him, did you know you're a bad mother? And you're in these fantasies, this is a life-changing moment for the person that you tell it to. And you imagine how such news delivered by a stranger who then walks away could ultimately change their life. I think we have these fantasies about telling people the truth about themselves. We wander. I, I mean, I see this regularly as a teacher. I see students that are headed toward miserable lives. They're just set up for it. They're setting themselves up for it. Their parents are complicit in it. And every time I sit down for a parent-teacher conference, I think about just unloading the unvarnished truth on someone. But I do this because I think everyone does this. And we all have these fantasies about telling people the truth. We tend to not have these fantasies so far as our friends are concerned. Right? This is co-workers we hate. It could be distant family relations as well. Not close family relations. But family that's far enough off from your day-to-day, week-to-week experience that you don't mind offending them. Most of the bad mothers and rotten husbands I've ever known were miserable. And perhaps it was the truth 
that was making them miserable. There are plenty of people who have bought into the lie, though, that if they were really all that bad as mothers and fathers and husbands, that someone would tell them. But, I mean, consider this for a second. Have you ever told someone, you're a really terrible mother? If not, don't assume anyone would ever tell you. Have you ever taken someone aside at church and said, you know, you're a really lousy husband, right? No. And no one would ever do that to you either. You have to figure out these things on your own. The truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. This proverb asks us to investigate or to reinvestigate the cause of our own misery. Now, most people assume that their own misery derives from some essential injustice against them. That's, I think that's what most people think, that the misery in your life is unexplainable. The, the misery in your life is this medical mystery. It's the result of some bizarre conspiracy against you. Why do we think this? Well, I think it's because everyone's a little miserable and everyone's been a little mistreated as well. We look at the misery in our life and assume it was genes, it was the way that we were raised, it's in our blood, it's bad luck. We were born around people who have a tendency to make us miserable. But your mistreatment, the fact that you've been mistreated by others, is very rarely a cause of your own misery. It's the cause of some misery, but not most of it. Most human misery is not caused by mistreatment at someone else's hands. The world becomes a much easier place to live in after you quit seeing yourself as a good person who has it together, who understands pretty much everything, or at least all the important stuff, and is rarely wrong. And I think that's the way that most miserable people see themselves. As good people who understand all the important stuff and are rarely incorrect in your decisions. I think most miserable people put up this front of being baffled by their own misery. Now, for Christians, it's not enough to see yourself as a sinner. It's not enough to admit to being a sinner. It's not enough to say, well, we live in a fallen world. That won't help set you free. It's not enough. It's not sufficient. At least for Christians. If you are outside the Christian faith and you're miserable, it could come to you as a revelation that you are a sinner. And that could be the beginning of a great restoration 
of real happiness in your life. But Christians have been raised with the, with the language of the sinner. I'm not saying that you're not a sinner. I am a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sure. But for a lot of Christians, the admission to being a sinner is just not all that weighty. It just doesn't carry um, it doesn't care. The word sinner doesn't really have a burden because we see everyone as sinners. We see sin as this metaphysical condition in, into which we're born. And thus it's hard to pin my unique misery on the fact that I'm a sinner. Sinner is a start, but Admitting that you're a sinner, if you're a Christian, admitting that you're a sinner is just not a painful enough judgment to make against yourself. Everyone's a sinner. I hear people say, I'm just a sinner in need of God's mercy. As though this is some kind of humble judgment to make against yourself. As though any human being, as though any Christian is going to hear another Christian say, I'm just a sinner in need of God's mercy and think, wow. That's a really down-to-earth guy. Did you hear that? He just admitted to being a sinner. Admitting that you're a sinner isn't... I mean, you can say the sinner's prayer. You can generically confess to being a sinner. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But... (laughs) But you're not going to get to the, to the, you're not going to get through the misery to the liberation unless you're willing to admit that you're an idiot. (laughs) That's where you've got to start. Or you've got to take the recognition that you're a sinner and push it forward. And don't look at idiocy as a metaphysical condition in which all human beings are in. Like, just be content to admit you're an idiot. That you're a complete halfwit. Misery is not a medical condition. For most people, most of the time, misery is the natural consequence of how you live. Like being fat. There's a rational explanation, the poetic justice of cause and effect, behind a good deal of human misery. Like, as a teacher, I can't tell you how many parents I've known over the years whose kids are screen junkies, whose kids watch a constant, rapid flicker of dazzling images for hours every day, and they develop ADD. And as opposed to cutting them off, from this constant rapid flicker of dazzling images, they just get a prescription for a very powerful, very dangerous drug instead. This way, I mean, it's easy to identify it in other people. It's harder to admit it yourself, that as opposed to cutting ourselves off from the habits of life that make us miserable, we figure out ways of dulling the consequences and just continuing to harm ourselves. 
So it's, it's one thing to understand that you're a sinner. Sure, that you need forgiveness. Yes. And I don't want to downplay that. Like, you need forgiveness. Your soul needs to be reconciled to God. But if you, if you don't understand your own idiocy, you might need to spend longer confessing your sins on a regular basis. That might be immensely helpful to you. Make a, if you don't go to confession, if you're not a part of a Christian tradition wherein you are required to regularly confess all your sins, to a, I mean, in the presence of a priest, fine, try it anyway. Try making a list of all of your sins on a regular basis and confessing them. Like, as opposed to contenting yourself with a generic repentance, dear Lord, forgive me for all the ways in which I have fallen short, as opposed to doing that, find, like, get a list um, of the Ten Commandments, get a list of the virtues, seven virtues, seven vices, read um, get the, the woes to the Pharisees, get the Beatitudes, and like work through them and systematically write down every sin you've committed in the last month and then confess those. Like, if you don't want to go to a priest, don't go to a priest, fine. But just make a list of all of your sins. See how many there are. And see if repentance does not reveal to you the ways in which you have made yourself miserable. If you don't spend long enough repenting of your sins, if, if repentance is not a significant intellectual endeavor for you, if it's nothing more than um, like a liturgical maneuver, if you don't regularly search your heart for sins to confess, you don't know where your misery comes from. You are miserable and you don't know it. Repentance is the only thing that can really deliver you from misery. Repentance is the only way of being free. Repentance is the only thing that can set you free from the imprisonment and slavery that you give yourself over to. You need someone in your life to give you bad news. There is very little likelihood that it's going to be someone you know. So, you have to fulfill this role yourself. You have to be your own toughest critic. You have to repent as thoroughly as possible, as in as nuanced a way as possible. Right? Consider the way, consider the way that reasonable parents make their children seek forgiveness from those they've wronged. Right? That a, a good parent does not allow their child to just mumble the word 
sorry to someone that they've wronged. You see, if a child says sorry, a good parent's going to say, sorry for what? Why don't you tell this person what you're sorry you did? Man, the same is true in your relationship with God. Don't just say sorry. Sorry for what? Know how you have offended God. The ways that you have offended God are the ways that you've made yourself miserable. Give yourself bad news. Be a brutal critic. Be a brutal critic of your own soul. And Christ will lift you up. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.